The swamp without a still is just a tent. A martini without olives doesn't quite make it. And Mash Minute is intended for mature audiences. Put on your headphones. Listen for the tone of your favorite podcast, Mash Minute. Well, it's a minute-by-minute detailed analysis. Of the movie without which the series wouldn't exist. Megan and Tierney, and guest will make three. Goddamn Army, MASH Minute. Welcome back to MASH Minute, where we analyze the 1970 Robert Altman film one minute at a time. I'm Megan Coleman. I'm Tierney Steele. And I'm Jennifer Lavasser, a curator at the Smithsonian's National Air and Space Museum. Welcome back, Jennifer! Thank you for having me. It doesn't get less cool no matter how many times I hear you say it. (laughs) (laughs) I'll admit it is still pretty cool to to actually have to say it sometimes. I love my job despite the anxiety and stress levels that it brings on, but it it is a good thing to be doing. We're going to have a very different stressful conversation today. (laughs) Dear listeners, this is Minute 96, which begins with Duke expressing his discomfort with bringing a black surgeon to the 4077th, and it ends with Trapper quarterbacking a football practice. So this is the minute where we meet Dr. Jones. That's what I'm going to call him. It's a perfectly fine name. But he is known to everyone as Spearchucker. And what I love is, in this minute, someone asks him, why do they call you that? And he says, I used to throw the javelin. You know what I never picked up on? When Blake refers to him as that, he says, is it all right to call you that? And he says, call me anything you want. Why? I mean, his name is based on his old track. Like, I... As a 14-year-old girl, why would I question this? <laughs> That's he says true. it's because he used to chuck uh, a spear. <laughs> yes, quite literally. <laughs> Do you know how scary it was to try and type this into Google without getting arrested to figure out what it was? Because I couldn't. I knew it was a racist thing, but I... And just a straight up, why is spear chucker racist? Tells you nothing. Yeah, I went to Urban Dictionary. I don't know why. I I can't say I've ever been to that site before, but I thought, gee, that's an an answer I can safely find on a website like that. (laughs) And sure enough, it gives plenty of descriptions as to where it comes from. But boy, it doesn't make you feel good about history, the way people have treated each other over the decades, centuries, millennium. (laughs) Hmm. I mean, as soon as someone explains it, you realize like, oh, right. But after hearing, oh, it's a racist thing, that's why they took it out of the TV show, I was like, well, why? And then, you know, my father just left the room and never spoke of it again. (laughs) I should have been tipped off by the fact that Henry's like, hey, is it okay to call you that? Like, he makes the most rational comment here, though. Like, in our world, he's making an incredibly sensitive and thoughtful comment. Can I call you that? Like, it is it is one of the more reasonable. <laughs> yeah, because everyone's like, oh, why do they call you that? And and so he's obviously been told, like, oh, yeah, they call him Spearchucker. And so he's like, is it okay if I say this out loud? 
Yeah, it's a very it's a very unusual turn for him in that most everything else he says in the film is very off the wall, batty, completely uh, nonsense in some respects. Um, this is like very like he's he's sort of our you know he's a bit of the audience advocate here, like the voice of the audience coming through a little bit, maybe maybe not the voice and well, of course, uh, it being a nineteen seventy movie. Yeah. Fred Williamson says, oh, you can call me whatever you want, thus giving us permission to say this for the rest of all time. Oh. <sighs> right? Yeah. He said it was okay, so obviously. Quote unquote. That's where, you know, it. I'm just still, it blows me away that these actors played these roles willingly, and I, I, w- I would love to see some interviews with the African-American actors from this film, and many others. I mean, this is certainly not a... This is not the only movie that this was happening in in this time period. But, you know, it makes me wonder sort of where they landed afterwards. You know, how did they kind of grapple with this? And how did the people who wrote this material feel about it? White. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, well. I will say I do like that Tom Skerritt's southern accent gets worse the more racist his lines oh, are. God. <laughs> like by the end of this scene, I don't even understand what he's what he is doing with his vocal cords. And he's had a very obvious Southern accent the whole time. It just all of a sudden, like, they made him say the word Yankees and he, like, completely falls apart. (laughs) And he does point out, like, even if this doctor, even if Dr. Jones did not come with a racist nickname and was just going to be the only black doctor that we're going to see, Duke is not coming at it from a charitable point, but it is legitimate concern. Like, he's going to be the only, like, how will that, you know, just logistically, how will that work? How will we do that? And Hawkeye's just like, he'll bunk with us. And what I like is that in the book we get a little bit more on how Hawkeye even knows that Dr. Jones exists and is in Korea. It is that he roomed with him early on when they were both doctors and officers and captains and headed out to Korea. I forget if it was while they were in the States doing their doctor's equivalent of basic or what, or if it was when they first got out to Asia. I'm not sure exactly, but it's that no one would room with him because he was black and Hawkeye did not care. And so he roomed with him. And that's how he's the only one who knows like, oh, this doctor, this neurosurgeon, I actually, you know, talked to the guy and he mentioned he used to play pro football. And so to Hawkeye, rooming with him again would be no big deal. So, so many problems here. (laughs) (laughs) I know, where do you start? Uh, I know. Well, so... Yeah, I, I'm I'm just taken aback every time I dwell on the fact that this was so commonplace and so acceptable in what you I think a lot of people now have this perception of Hollywood and just sort of actors in general, whether it's true or not, being a very liberal environment, being very progressive and it's sort of the people the way that they think about things. And even for nineteen seventy I don't, this just doesn't strike me as something somebody like Donald Sutherland would really buy into in a way. Like, that's a 
pretty racist term. I know they're trying to depict a time 20 years previous to this, but it just feels like, did anybody argue the point? You know, you just like, that's where (laughs) I just, I I feel like somebody had to have said something, you know, did they (laughs) question it at all? I mean, historical accuracy is okay to a degree. There are other things that we need, you know, should we caution people? I don't know. I just, that's a really weird situation to try and think through and figure out where it's supposed to be. You know, sort of the same thing with all the sexism in this movie too is, you know, how are you supposed to feel about the little trick that they play on Hulan where, you know, they yank the tarp down off mm. of the shower. I mean, I, I just, I don't know. I can imagine there's a lot of people who flat out, if they knew that was in the movie, would not bother to watch the movie. Some of them we made watch the movie and they are very <laughs> upset with us. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And it's interesting because, like you said, I don't think I've seen an interview with Fred Williamson about MASH. I mean, I've, I've seen him reference like his football history. There are certainly plenty of interviews with Garrett and Gould and Sutherland and Altman and Murphy and Dr. Sachs and... Yeah. He's not in them. Yeah. Yeah, that topic doesn't come up, huh? Shockingly. And it's funny because, I mean, I would have been interested to see what he said just in general, just as someone who has watched a lot of MASH and again, totally accepted the explanation I was handed at face value. Yeah, it's a good point. And so, yeah, um... But he was he was known as a black exploitation star. And so I think knowing that he went on in the 70s and 80s to do that would kind of, you know, is he ashamed that he did this? Is he, <laughs> you know, you'd think there would be that chance to say, hey, this happened and I want to use it to bring attention to you know to call it out or to something or I I don't know it just feels like there should be a way to do that but you never see that and it was was it his first it was his first movie role he'd done some television including an episode of Star Trek because apparently there must be Star Trek references everywhere in this movie (laughs) yes you know, th- this would have been his first feature film. So I'm sure he probably, well, I'm not sure. I would imagine that it's possible he felt uncomfortable pushing back on any kind of the way they were capturing this. But he was in movies that like, I as a white girl named Tierney, I'm not going to say on this podcast. Yeah. Like, look at his IMDb. Yeah. Y- you'll know which ones I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. And that's the name of the movie. That's the name of his character. So I feel like there obviously was an opportunity to have a conversation about this and include this role maybe with those and say like, here's why I feel that it's important to have these portrayals in film. Here's why I feel it's terrible to have these portrayals in film. You know, like I'd want... I'd want to know, like, where, what did he end up thinking? You know, 20 years later, which is 1990, which is a really long time ago. Holy crap. Um, (laughs) And he's still working today. So screw it. Today, what does he think? Was he trying to advance and say, hey, look, here's a black neurosurgeon drafted into the army doing his bit. He's never shown as anything but completely competent in the movie and the TV show. Hmm. So it's one of those, like, was this a missed opportunity or what? Yeah, it's a good question. 
And I will say he's absolutely fabulous. And I love that his bio includes the line, burly yet handsome, 6'3 Williamson. (laughs) (laughs) It's another one of those brilliantly written bios on IMDb that just brought me quite a lot of joy. And he's from Gary, Indiana, and my family is from East Chicago, Indiana. So I have the bias there of... uh, Well, I will will show a little bias. I pulled up uh, because I wanted to raise another name that is brought up here that maybe I don't understand or if it's derogatory, I don't know it. In my curiosity about Tom Skerritt, I decided to um, pull him up at least on Wikipedia. Born in Detroit, Michigan, and seems to be a Detroit Tigers fan. He's depicted in the picture wearing a Tigers hat. But the thing that it also reveals is the name of his character in this film is Captain Augustus Bedford Duke Forrest. Now, see, it's just more of the same (laughs) that I hadn't even remembered that it's added to that. It's literally all Ku Klux Klan BS. Yeah. All the way down. Yeah, it totally reminds me of the sort of the clan references that come up when when Forrest Gump talks about mm-hmm. himself, you know, in his family history. That's why I wondered if it was an intentional, like if there is there an intentional reason to use as a nickname, presumably Duke, which definitely as gives us to Augie. <laughs> right, yeah, something that's much more generic, and so there's something to that. But then the formal name is incredibly revealing in a really bad way for this <laughs> film. So not only do we are we dealing with a character that's got this really racist nickname, we've got a character whose real name, at least according to Wikipedia, and you can take it for what it's worth, is something that's got a lot of sort of embedded racism and embedded problems with it. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they say the full name in the movie, but it's even just Duke Forrest is enough for you to be like, oh, okay, Duke Forrest from Georgia, gotcha. Yeah. We know exactly where you stand. <laughs> yeah, and the other thing I wasn't sure of, the thing, they're in that whole sequence when they're talking about um, when he uses the word Yankee, Hawkeye looks at him and uses the phrase baby boy. Is there something to that? I don't, that's not one I know. Is it just an like he's just kind of, you know, picking at him because he's younger? I took it as he's just making fun of him. Not necessarily because he's younger, but just sort of like he's being kind of naive and silly. Naive, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and, I mean, Hawkeye does try and work the word baby in as often as possible in this movie, (laughs) so... It does soften it a little bit. I I don't like that this exists, obviously, but I think if you're going to do this, they should not have had a racist nickname and they should not have tried to play it off as, oh, no, no, it's not because of the racism thing. Right. (laughs) It's like, all right, no, we all know. But the setup of Duke being like, "Uh, we have a problem bringing him here. It's 1950, and I grew up in Georgia named after Confederate generals. And the idea that he would have been conditioned his entire life to not be comfortable with this. Hawkeye growing up in Maine does not bring that baggage to the table. The idea, like, there is a very interesting, sad, but interesting dynamic here that's at play if you take out the BS of, oh no, he just happens to be called this. It's not a race thing, even though it's an ethnic slur. Like, I think 
I think it's interesting that Duke, who is presented as a womanizer yet sympathetic character, like he's team heroes in this movie, (laughs) has this thing that other characters recognize as like a major flaw in his personality that they basically tell him, well, you're just going to have to get over it because we're doing this. Yeah. And he does? Question mark? We never see him go out of his way with Jones, but we also never see him have any negative reaction. I don't think. I'm like scanning through the rest of the movie in my mind. No. And and by the end, he's just like... Yeah, you're cool, I guess. Cool, yeah. Yeah, this other guy that I worked with in Korea. Yeah, good luck. I'm going home, bye. (laughs) Yeah, like, I think that's the only real interaction we see. And, like, they do surgery together. There's never any tension there. Like, the implication is that the lesson here is this person was conditioned to be racist. He says, hey, I'm a racist. And everyone else tells him, shut up and get over it. That's kind of a beautiful message, but they messed it up. Yeah, it just sort of just happens, and then it's like, okay, on to the next thing. It just happens, and they call the character by a racial slur. (sighs) (sighs) Kind of undercuts your message of let's all get along, guys. Yeah, that is an interesting point about sort of some of the undercurrent to all of this is, and it's kind of gets back at what I've been saying is this idea that you'd put this in in 1969 1970 when there's incredible amount of racial tension in the United States why would you do that what benefit is there to including that in this movie which is meant as a critique of the other major issue of the day which is the Vietnam War do you really want to be pulling on the strings of racial tension when you're really trying to do something completely different with your film? It's just a weird choice. Oh, well, I think this is an excellent time to point out that we've mentioned in earlier minutes this is based on a fictionalized memoir. And perhaps there was a certain doctor at the 8055th with Hornberger. Dun, dun, dun. I didn't do research, but I know you guys did. <laughs> Well, and I don't know if they overlapped at all either. I didn't look into that. No, but my thing is, obviously, people did know that there were black doctors in Korea because there was one. But I mean, probably maybe rare enough that it was at least one. Yeah. Yeah. A story. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, you know, again, it's it's one of these how much how visible would that doctor his story have been in this time frame when they're making this movie? So if there's debate in the 1970s and, and during the filming of the TV show about the reliability of that narrative and, and, the, and the utility of it. Is it really something, you know, if they were questioning it, it may not have been something that anybody really dug into in a way that would have been done in the 80s, 90s, and the last 20 years of sort of looking at African-American history in particular. And by your and Megan's Googling. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Google, for having opened my eyes to the fact that, yes, indeed, there is a real person that did this, at least one, and there's probably Probably more. I mean, you have to think about, you know, what are the numbers here too? How many, how many in the military at the time were African American? You know, how many are actually in Korea? You know, there's a proportion that certainly would have had to have been African American. It'd be great if somebody could write a book about it. <laughs> Make our lives a lot easier. 
but yeah, it's uh, it's just it's a it's a disappointing disappointing way for this to go because again, it's just, it's the idea too that the jokes these time timely jokes don't age well. This ages particularly badly. Um, it doesn't reflect well on sort of the filmmaking generally and all that. So to completely not to derail the conversation entirely, but I have to say that the view that you see in this last part, I, I particularly enjoy. So this, the foreground of the big group with everybody gathered around and kind of in this tight circle and all listening is completely a distraction from what I wanted to pay attention to, which was the very, very careful reverse of that guy driving the Jeep, (laughs) (laughs) slowly pulling into a very nice little parking spot next to a much larger vehicle. Um, That was really well done movie driving. He took it so slowly and carefully. Makes me wonder, were they using like an authentic Jeep and an actual Korean War earlier Jeep that they were like trying to be really... I mean, it wouldn't have been that old at the time. It would have been only about 20 years old. That's not that old for a Jeep. So, you know, were they... Was this after they crashed a helicopter and they were like, we've got to be more careful. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he was super careful about reversing that thing. So good for him. He saved the Jeep, at least for right then. He saved the Jeep. That's that's beautiful. He saved the minute. Yes. He did. He made some, made it something interesting to look at. It is actually a nice. It is a nicely shot bit here yeah. in this part too. It's and it it's establishing a dynamic between Blake and Jones that's going to be that's going to keep going in a very delightful manner. Yeah, it's definitely the beginning of something that is this segment of overt sexism and racism. The sexism comes up, but the racism, other than the name, doesn't really come up so much. From what I remember, of the next few minutes and through the game well there's a great thing where they turn some racism around on a guy yes and it's jones advising judson the younger guy like well here's how you deal with that (laughs) oh that's true about the name calling in the game yeah again you're sad that these things happened but within the narrative it's a great mini revenge on the football field yeah for sure and then, Megan, you said you had found the name of that doctor, right? At the 8055th? Did I lose? I thought it was Dr. Alvin something, but I could be completely imagining that. It's Alvin Vincent Blunt, Blount, Blunt, B-L-O-U-N-T Jr. There's a fabulous PubMed article about him. Turns out he was a really interesting guy. Maybe they could have made a movie from his perspective. <laughs> he was previously, yeah, he was in the... 808225 unit, mash unit and was in there for three years. And where did he get his medical degree? That's what I'm trying to figure out. He went to Howard University for his medical degree and graduated in 47. He previously yeah. went to North Carolina oh, nice. A&T University in Greensboro. And he spent five years on active duty and three years were prior to his completion of medical school. And his second call was a member of the U.S. Army Medical Corps resulted in his mobilization overseas to Korea. He had just completed his internship and surgical residency. Hmm, sounds familiar. (laughs) In in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And he was, yeah, so he was 10 miles from the 30th parallel. And then there's a big description about what he kind of stuff he did there and how that mass unit was set up. I'll I'll have to put this in the post-ep ward because it's really kind of interesting. There's also, um, he apparently called some other black doctors, sued a hospital in Greensboro for basically only 
treat for not treating black patients. Yeah. So he didn't really put up with crap is basically. Yeah. So if anybody really did know about him in 1969. Yeah, cuz there's that's there's maybe a, not yeah, an aspect that that would have fit the film like knowing that he had that, you know, that he was I don't want to say he was a Good trouble. Yeah, cuz it's there's really a line the right that says um he along in 1962, Dr. George Simpkins, a fiery black dentist. Okay, this article is written in 2012, by the way. Whose temperament was the opposite of Dr. Blunt's, enlisted himself <laughs> and a crapload of doctors who have all kinds of initials after their last names to join him in suing Cohn and Wesley Long. Simpkins v. Moses H. Coe Memorial Hospital, challenging the federal government's use of public funds to expand and maintain segregated hospital care. And the federal government agreed that it was kind of unconstitutional and discriminatory. <laughs> and that those professionals and patients should be granted the oh. privileges and services they sought. Oh. What a concept. So, you know, what I mean, maybe maybe there were people who knew. Or, I don't know. And meanwhile, young Fred Williamson <laughs> exactly. was playing high school football and then played for Northwestern. <laughs> it looks like he did have some involvement with the 49ers. So, yeah. And I saw something I would be very curious to look at is supposedly uh, there's an IMDb trivia that says like, oh, he's known for <laughs> always wearing his Super Bowl ring. Why not? <laughs> and so I'm like, is he wearing it here? Did that happen after? We're going to have to that watch That is something I'm going to have to investigate. That will be a little, like, mystery going forward. Because you'd think you'd be able to notice. Yeah, so far. <laughs> anyway, that's just something that I will be looking for in future minutes. Did we have anything else for this one? Yeah, I think I'm good. I think I'm good as well. Woohoo! Well, Megan mentioned our Facebook group, the Post App Ward. We're also on Twitter at Mash Minute, and we have the email mashminute at gmail.com. So, whichever crazy social media juggernaut <laughs> you've decided to use, there's a way to reach us. And Jennifer, other than showing up <laughs> and drooling onto the planes, <laughs> is there something you usually like to plug? Um, not so much. Not so much these days. The museum is undergoing a massive renovation project at our downtown building. And so we are all super active and doing all of that. But I'm usually out there doing interviews and um, updating my Facebook page and things like that. If I am so inclined with cute kid pics and things like that or Star Wars related content. I'm always looking for the Star Wars or other pop culture references I can make in my life. It just keeps life interesting and fun. So... I'll say that much. <laughs> Been interesting and fun. Keep up the American way of life. Football! No, right. football! <laughs> well, we are entering football season, both literally and in the movie. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us and talking about this. I know they were not the easy, not all of them were the most fun minutes, <laughs> but there was something fun in each one. Absolutely. So that's a, that's a real mash experience right there. For thanks sure. For, thanks for coming on it with us. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> and Megan and I will be more back mash. to talk about more Woo. mash. Uh...